If you're the parent of an athlete or a student, you know that there are a lot of things that get in the way of just loving your kid where they are. Being an uncommon parent is a lot easier said than done, but it is pretty simple. Simple doesn't always mean easy. Tonight on Life Leadership and the Pursuit of Greatness, we're going to break down what it means to be an uncommon parent, uh, some do's and don'ts. Uh, that we all can learn from. We can't wait to get started. Here we go. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 4.2 on Being Uncommon. Tonight, we're going to talk about what it means to be an uncommon parent. Yesterday, we spent about 40 minutes discussing what it means to be an uncommon player or athlete uh, or employee in the work that you do. Uh, to get the things that you want. Uh, Tonight, we're going to look at it from a different perspective, uh, how as a parent or a support person, you can be uncommon in the lives uh, of those kids or people that you support on a daily basis. Uh, So we're going to break down three things that we think are really important to be uncommon. Then we're going to talk about three things that parents fall into from a trap standpoint. And this is going to be a really interesting conversation because Uh, As I was taking notes for this tonight, Coach Mathis, uh, I felt like uh, I could feel my my uh, hair raising on my arm and my blood (laughs) boiling a little bit, Uh, not because of things that I've had parents deal with me, but it's because I've been a parent or I am a parent and I and I am fortunate to see both sides. I think I think that helps me understand motivations a little bit. but the three things we want to talk about tonight um, in terms of being an uncommon parent are uh, the first thing you got to do is be present. You got to be on the journey with, with your athlete, with your player, uh, with the person that you're supporting. And, and number two, you got to understand who it is about. Uh, as a parent, it's never about you. It's about the person that you're supporting. And then number three, I think probably one of the most challenging pieces to be uncommon is to love unconditionally in all circumstances. And that's going to probably be the longest piece for us. And then those traps we're going to talk about are comparison, envy, and disappointment. And so um, let's get started, Coach. That that first point right there, being present, what does that mean to you? So being present with your student-athlete, I believe, consists of being engaged in what they're doing, knowing what's going on in their life, asking them what's going on in their life, encouraging them when they may, you know, have some self-doubt going on in their mind or, or dealing with those struggles or those failures. Some of the things that we talked about in episode uh, one of this series, this, th- this three-part series, you know, when they start to fail or struggle, it, show that encouragement in there. Don't just allow them to, you know, fly solo on that. So being present with them on that journey and showing that encouragement is a big part of it. And and what about also having the calendar in hand to know what they're supposed to be doing, knowing that knowing the commitment that they're undertaking in the sport that they're in, uh, so being on that journey with them, lets them know that you're, you're committed to the process as well, getting them to practice, making sure they're fed, uh, making sure they're picked up, 
making sure they have the equipment. Um, does that, does that fall into that piece? I think it does. One of the things that I've always done a really uh, proactive job at is getting a calendar in the hands of my athletes in the spring before the summertime, uh, before fall. So and the reason I do that is really twofold, just because I'm always always thinking about it. <laughs> so it's on my mind. But the other reason is, is I know that I have some athletes that um, – you know, have summer jobs, summer commitments, whether it be county fair, state fair, other things going on, or even just like family vacations. So I get that to them. So they are able to take that initiative to go to their boss or their employer and say, Hey, I need these dates off, or even take it to mom and dad and say, you know, Hey, if we, if all possible, can we, can we schedule things around this? So I don't, don't miss it. But to be honest with you, you it's shocking to to know like how many kids, as soon as they get that calendar, probably throw it in their book bag or their locker and and don't even, you know, take that initiative. So so being present also requires you to be proactive in dealing with your kid. In today's environment, we have so many different things technology wise that are so quick access, but a piece that is vital as a parent is that schedule. You know, what do I need to know? How do I need to get my kid to where they need to be? Uh, do I have enough equipment? Do I, do I have everything that is needed for my child to be successful? And if I don't, what do I need to do to make that happen? And I think that's a really important piece. So if you know that your kid has a meeting, follow up with them. How'd that meeting go? How'd that meeting go? What do I need to know? Oh, it was fine. What do you have for me? So that requires, that requires follow-up and accountability in terms of being present with them on this journey. It is really shocking though, to see like how many parents though are disengaged in regards to that stuff. Like they don't want to ask questions of their kids. So they choose not to say like, Hey, how did that meeting go? Or is there anything that we need to write down on the calendar that we need to be aware of? You know, it just, it's, it's truly shocking to me that there are a lot of parents, though, that are, are hands off in regards to that approach. And I see both sides of that, right? Because when we're coaching our athletes, we tell them you need to know what you need to do and be where you're supposed to be to do what you're supposed to do to the best of your ability. While there's absolute truth in that, it's also incumbent upon parents to know that as well. And and that comes into uh, understanding our second point, which is who it is all about, the why you need to be present and why you need to be an uncommon parent, because it's never about us as parents. It's about the kids that are doing the work. Well, one of the things that I always mention in my meetings that I have with parents is that regardless of your your son or daughter's athletic ability it has zero reflection on your parenting skills and i think but what does have a reflection of their parenting skills well the reflection of their parenting skills would be you know how they follow through on something you know do they take the initiative to do to take their schedule into their boss and say hey i need these dates off or the fact that if they can't get to 
uh, weights because they don't have a vehicle or um, they, you know, don't have the, the means to get there, their parents would find a way to get them there. I think that would be a direct reflection of their parenting skills. Yeah. Yeah. Being, being able to push the buttons on the kid to get them to do what they necessarily don't want to do all the time. Well, a lot of times you see, you know, unfortunately you see parents driving a wedge between the coach and the athlete instead of actually using themselves as a conduit to the coach and the athlete. Do you think there's sometimes trepidation on both ends for that coaches and parents? Possibly. I, I mean, I always have an open door policy with all my players and, and parents. So yeah, I'm a pretty open book in regards to that. So I'm not sure where that trepidation comes from, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, mm. I think that um, obviously parents want what's best for their athlete, regard, you know, sometimes uh, disregarding others. You know, they, they get so uh, blind, you know, by, you know, the blinders on both sides to be able to, you know, realize, okay, this is probably a better situation for the team than necessarily not maybe the best situation for my son. So let's, let's move, let's hold off on that part because I think we're going to, those are going to fall into some of those traps that we talk about here in just a few sure. minutes that parents fall into. Uh, the, let's talk about that third point about what it means to love uh, your athlete, your child unconditionally in all circumstances, because love as you and I have talked about is not a soft term. It's not an easy word. Uh, it is a difficult word. It's an accountability word. It's a discipline word. And uh, loving unconditionally can be very, very challenging because there are a lot of different circumstances that kids get put into. Um, for instance, I had a ball game last night and I want to sleep in. What are you going to tell your kid? Well, you're supposed to be at weights. You're supposed to be at practice. You're supposed to be doing whatever. Is it, is it, um, is it taking the easy way out by just saying, you know, it's okay, Tommy, you can, you can sleep in. That's fine. Um, or is lo truly really loving that kid is going, you made a commitment. You need to follow through and you need to get up and do the work. Got the rest of your life to sleep. Right. I know what I would tell my kid. I remember <laughs> I remember a specific instance where I was in high school and this was a, a day and age when you were allowed two a day practices in the fall. And mm. I, I we had two a day practice in the morning we had morning and evening. And I, I set my alarm. You know, my mom made sure my alarm was set kind of deal, but uh, I overslept through it and I wasn't late, but I was going to be late. And at that time. Uh, I didn't have a vehicle. You know, I was a freshman in high school and I remember having my pads. It was our first day of helmets. Oh, so, it, you know, and I, I lived about a mile, just a little over a mile away from school. And, you know, I was like, you know, it was a, you know, 20 minute walk kind of deal. But, uh, mm -hmm. I remember, uh, you know, not having, you know, cause all my friends were already at practice uh, kind of deal. So I couldn't call anyone. I remember running with my cleats in hand, helmet on my head, 
because uh, I wasn't going to carry it. So I just put it on my head and I'm running through downtown Tipton, uh, you know, trying to get to football practice on time. And I showed up with like a minute to spare it. You know, I, I ran the whole way there. Uh, but, uh, you know, I essentially and right as I'm running down the hill, they're starting to do their jog for their warm up. And I'm like, oh, oh dear God. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, how many kids nowadays would just be like, oh, I'm I'm just not going to be there. I'm just not going to go. You know, I, I some of them, some kids would take the initiative to do what I did in that situation. But I think there's a lot of kids out there now that would just be like, well, I'm not going to have any consequences at home uh, for not going. So I'm just not going to go. And to me, when you go back to that word, love to me, love is discipline. And, and sometimes there's consequences with love, right. And discipline. Yeah. And and we'll talk about that as, uh, as a coach tomorrow. And we certainly discussed it yesterday uh, with what it means to be an uncommon athlete. I think loving, loving your athlete unconditionally is challenging them to see things through uh, when they want to give in, when they want to quit. Because you and I both know that the first time you quit uh, makes it easier to do it the rest of your life. And it's a terrible habit to get into. One thing that my parents did for me that I'm very thankful for is they wouldn't allow me to quit. Yep. Uh, They, I remember my junior years all summer long, we, um, we were doing seven on sevens and lifting and I was coming off a really good sophomore year and, I was kind of designated as the starter in the summer, just with the reps and work that we were doing. You know, nothing was really said overtly to me. It was just, hey, you know, ones are up and off I went. And we started fall camp and a kid that hadn't been there all summer shows up. He was a starter the year before, but he didn't do anything all summer. And what do you know? The first game, he's starting. That first week of the first home game, he was starting. And I was not. And I came home and I told my parents, that's it. I'm done. I'm going to quit. And my dad was like, no, you're not. And I, yeah, this is unfair. And my dad said, so what? You know, you're not going to quit. You made made a commitment to the team and the program. You're going to see it through. After the season, you and I can talk about if you're going to quit or not, but you're not going to do it right now. You know, he's my whole life is levels do not quit. And you're going to be, you're going to work hard because we demand excellence in everything we do. And I was pissed. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I got screwed over on the starting job and I can't quit. Uh, It's one of the best lessons I've ever learned because I had to have some humble pie. It was a hard season. It was difficult. We weren't very good. We were three and six. And um, I I got to start, you know, some of the games and I mixed in uh, quite a bit on special teams. And then my senior year, we had a great year and I was a starter and all that, but um, I wouldn't have had the experience my senior year, which ultimately led to my college football experience. if I didn't have the soft or the junior uh, Valley and uh, my dad knew enough from being a teacher. And so did my mom, when I was a teacher, they both knew that, you know, quitting was not the option and they weren't going to let me right. do it. And, and, and at one point my dad said, if you quit, um, you know, don't come home. <laughs> well, kudos, kudos yeah. to Papa Lovell. I mean, because yeah, I, there's not enough parents out there that, that take that approach, in my opinion. Um, and well, it's, it's quite honestly one of the reasons I struggle so much with 
uh, hearing athletes say, I'm, I'm quitting, you know, two weeks into a season or whatever it is, uh, I'm going to do something else. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like the coal miner that's digging the tunnel that's a foot away from the, the gold and just gets, gets tired and, you know, I'm not getting anywhere, so I'm done and gives up on, you know, what could have been because they just didn't have the fortitude to see it through. And if you have someone in their life that's loving them through the process, uh, the, the possibilities are really endless, but you just don't know when that's going to be. And so that's why it's so important to just stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Well, I think um, one of the I heard Urban Meyer say this one time and it really, really s- s- struck a chord with me as a coach. The best way to show love to your players is to say, I see you here as an athlete, as a player in our program. I need to get you here. I need you to get to here as this player. This is where I see you because you're you're essentially you're telling them I see the potential in you. And even though you may not see it yet, this is where I, I believe that you can get to. And so, yeah. you know, you think of how you translate that to a player or as a parent, excuse me. And, you know, how can you, you know, get that maximum potential out of your child as a, as a parent to get them to where you see them and their potential. And you don't, and you don't do that with a hands-off approach. Well, because this, this third point that we, I think you and I both know is the most important piece is the loving part is difficult. Um, it's a simple thing to talk about you know, loving unconditionally, but it's really hard, uh, to tell your kid to do something that they're really fighting you on. And, but you know, that they're, it's in their best interest, uh, to, to stay with it. And I think that see-through is, is where you get to really see who, who's uncommon. Um, and so that takes us to the traps that parents fall into, I think. And And listen, I'm guilty of these, which is why it's so easy for me to talk about these things. Um, I, we, comparison, envy, and disappointment are three words, three, uh, you know, uh, adjectives, if you will, uh, that are really hard for parents to deal with when looking at their kids. I heard Frank Lenti, you and I both heard him uh, at the IFCA clinic talk about how parents are emotionally unqualified to discuss their kids uh, at times. And, uh, I was like, Holy cow, that's me. Um, because comparison is the, is the, uh, thief of all joy in all aspects of life. But in particular, when you're comparing your kid to another, because everyone's different. And the one thing that you and I know is is we've discussed, uh, successful programs that to be successful, every person needs to have a role and they need to embrace it. And when there's comparison at home to, you know, why is that kid getting that playing time over my kid? Coach doesn't know what he's doing. You're better than they are. I know they, I know you're better than they are. I saw what you did in middle school. I saw what you did freshman year. And that comparison piece of their kid versus another is, is a joy stealer. Yeah, it really is. One of the things that I always just kind of, fall back on and look at is when you look at those three traps, comparison, envy, and disappointment, you know, I I look at how I've raised my own kids. Now I have two younger kids that 
you know, haven't really gotten into the competitive athletics side of it, but, you know, two older kids that, that are. And one of the things that, you know, I always just, I try not to even, especially, and maybe it's because I'm a coach and, you know, I, I don't want them to look at me as a coach. I want them to look at me as just their dad who loves to watch them play. But I try not to even get into like play calling or anything in regards to, you know, that would that would, could possibly call into judgment the coaches that that, you know, spend a majority of their time with their with with my children, you know, as as in my older children. So, I you know, some of the things that I talk about with them are, you know, you know, just really loved watching you play, you know, out there with your teammates. Yeah. God, it was just it's so amazing to see you have fun out there and, and, and having a passion for for this game or, re, you know, for wrestling or rugby, whatever it may be that they're doing. Yeah, I think that's great. And uh, that that's an important piece. And that goes back into that loving unconditionally uh, that makes an, uh, parents uncommon is to is to be able to swallow whatever trap you feel like you're falling into and and give the kid what they need to hear. Well, I think it would be too easy to cuz let's be honest, the player, the kid doesn't want to admit that they're not good, right? So they it's just natural human nature at that age to project on well the coach has his favorites or you know I think that you know to blame whatever it may be you know, that I'm not doing what I need to do to get on the field or to make the plays to to be out there. So it's just natural for them to want to, you know, have that comparison to another player or envy of another player. And it's too often, though, as parents, they fall into that trap with their, you know, with their player instead of actually nipping it in the in the butt and saying, OK, well, let's actually talk about the real issue at hand here. Why you're not playing? Yeah, work harder, get better. Can't substitute it. Got to work hard. Yeah. So if you're falling into that comparison, we know that that's stealing joy. Um, and, and then we talk about envy. Um, what are some different levels of envy? To me, the first is uh, envy of another parent that has a kid that's playing mm. really well. Yeah, I mean that's tough. I mean. I've been in that situation where, you know, your sophomore, you know, player, you know, as I'm just pulling my own, you know, memories from mind where, you know, people are, you know, going crazy over the, you know, their child that is making plays. And while, you know, you have a, a child that's, you know, sitting on the bench. So it's, it's tough. It, it's, it's hard, you know, not to have envy on that. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or, or envy, you're envious of the other kid playing time or role versus your kids. Absolutely. I mean, so I mean, it's kind of a two way. Yeah, I, I just remember just thinking to myself, God, I want to be the parent that's, you know, freaking out because my, my kid just made an amazing play out there on the field. And, and I just have to, you know, take a step back and, you know, cheer for the whole team and, and just tell, you know, my, my son afterwards, keep working hard. Your time will come. Yeah. Because if, if you show, you know, that you're comparing or you're envious or you're disappointed, uh, you're, 
you're taking it off of who it's about. Yeah. Yeah. It has nothing to do with me as a parent. Yeah. It has zero to do with that. Yeah. So the disappointment piece, um, I've, I've been a part of that. I've been a part of all three of these traps, but disappointment. uh, I remember my oldest was a seventh grader and she was trying out for ASA softball and they were doing all their little testing and running and sprinting and throwing and hitting. And I remember she hit one out of the park in seventh grade (laughs) at Marion. And I was like, Oh, I mean, I was like super jacked up. I was super excited. This was when I was a little bit uh, less aware, I guess, as a parent. Um, And we were my hope, you know, inside was, man, this is the beginning of, you know, starting as a freshman on varsity, the whole nine. And, you know, come to find out she liked softball. She didn't love it, you know? And so when she got into a role where she was uh, a nine ten player, a JV player and sat on the bench for varsity and, and maybe got in at JV um, and she realized she had eight hour days and uh, she wasn't seeing the field as much. She was like, I'm okay doing something else. I'm going to spend my time doing something else. And to her, it wasn't nearly as big a deal as it was for me. Um, she was fine with, yeah, I enjoy it. I'm around my friends. That's the fun part. The days are long. Um, but I was like, oh, you know, you hit one out in seventh grade. How can you not be, you know, in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. And, and my wife's like, take a chill pill, dude. So would you, would you have classified um, your daughter then as a compelled player or was she a committed player or, or a compliant? She was, she was, she was, she was, uh, she was committed. Um, she wasn't compelled and she would admit to that because, you know what a compelled person would do. They'd be out there hitting the ball left and right. They'd be fielding ground balls. They'd be pitching, right. whatever it is. And she, she went to practice, but you know, outside of that, that, you know, she didn't put really any extra time in. And so when you're looking at those who are on the field at the varsity level, those are the things that made them better. Right. Which made was them also made and, it easy for her to walk away. Right. Because she was there for the social aspect of it, which there are, there are kids that are on every team that are there because their friends are out, you know, Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately yeah. it was easier for, you know, and you know, I'm not saying it was a coach's fault that didn't make her compelled, but you know what, I mean, do you think there was anything looking back on that, that could have took taken her from a, a committed player to a compelled player? Um, well, that's a, that's a, internal issue that she would have to deal with. I, I don't know the answer um, other than, you know, she just didn't, she didn't have that. I'm going to do this type thing, you know, and that doesn't no, make her a no, bad person. Absolutely not. And I, and I, and I think that is, I think that's where some of that comparison, that envy and disappointment fall in is, you know, particularly at a young age as you, I, my, my example is, you know, you got a, you got an athlete that's a good little player, Um, but when they don't carry on that, that, that work through Mm -hmm. the high school, um, you're not going to get any better and to expect anything different is, is, um, is a complete fallacy. You're not going to get any better. In fact, that's what I just talked with my football team about at our, at our banquet this last winter was to the definition of insanity is expecting something different while Mm -hmm. doing the same thing. And uh, everyone was like, yep, yep. So 
So the challenge is, what are you going to do different to get where you haven't been before? And if you're not willing to do that, then you got to change your goals or you got to change your behavior. And I think most times you're going to find the goals change as opposed to the behavior. And uh, unless somebody's really compelled, you know, really, really compelled. And, And that's where when we talk about being an uncommon parent, you're present on the journey with them and you understand that this is their journey and you're loving them through everything that they're doing. Uh, because at the end of the day, you can put them all, everything out there in front of them, but they've got to be willing to do the work. And if you tell them, if you're not happy with what you're doing or where you're at, you've got to get, you've got to work hard and you've got to get. Well, better. I think that's the one underlying foundation here that uh, will not ever change is hard work. It, there's no substitute for it. You have to be willing to to put your sweat equity into things, you know, to see the results that you're going to get. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, none of the things that we're saying about, you know, players doesn't, I mean, whether if, if they're just there for the social aspect or they're a committed or compelled or compliant player doesn't, <clears throat> excuse me, doesn't make them a bad player or a bad person. I, I love all those people that are, you know, making the effort to be out there, you know, we just need to find different ways to tap into, to elevate them as coaches. And we're going to, we're going to talk about Absolutely. that tomorrow night, aren't we? I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, this has been a, a really good conversation. And I feel like we've, we've gotten a few things really kind of squared away, uh, at least from a clarity standpoint about how you become uncommon as a parent. We talked about, being present on the journey with your student athlete, being engaged in what they're doing. Uh, we talked about understanding who it is about. It's not about us as parents. It's about the athlete on the journey and then loving them unconditionally in all the circumstances, good and bad. Uh, and love again is that discipline piece, whether, and then that, that sometimes have uh, really challenging pieces to it. And, we all fall into the traps of comparison, envy, and disappointment, but the more that we can continue to come back to work hard, get better, and love unconditionally, I think we'll all be that much closer to being uncommon on a consistent Yeah, one basis. thing that I would like to throw a curveball question here for you, Coach Lovell, is where do you think – how difficult do you think it's social media has made it to have uncommon parents? I, it depends on who they're looking for and what they're looking at, you know, quite honestly. And it, and it comes down to who they believe they are and what they, what they believe to be true in their heart about their parenting, really what they value. And, you know, the, the social media noise uh, will tell you that if your kid isn't getting noticed, it's the coach's fault. If the, if your kid isn't, you know, on the, it isn't a starter, uh, the kid, the coach doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and I think it's easy to get that noise in your head. Uh, I think the best thing that a parent can do, if they're really confused about why somebody is in a role that they have on the team is to have a conversation. Um, I always tell my parents, don't email me with complaints. (laughs) If you have something you want to talk about, uh, call me and we'll schedule a time to sit down and talk. And, um, you know, I, I think as a parent, it's unfair to question strategy. It's unfair to question playing time. It's unfair to 
um, to discuss those types of things, other players, if you will, um, because the coaches are around the athletes so much more. And like we talked about earlier, as parents, we get emotionally unqualified because we're so invested in our kid from an emotional standpoint and coaches can displace that emotion and, and talk about really what's going on. And uh, I think, I think that's the biggest piece is that we all understand we want what's best for our kid. Uh, we just have different ways of going about it and what's best for your kid is to embrace the role that they're in no matter that role and to love and support them unconditionally through that process. Now, if something is unethical, immoral, or illegal, then that's a completely different right. story. Uh, but beyond that, you know, I think it's good for kids to get coached by many different types of people uh, because it exposes them to different types of leadership, leadership that works, leadership that's questionable, leadership that doesn't work. And uh, we can't shelter kids from that and help them and, and hope that they get better and hope that they learn. Uh, we have to get their feet in the fire, if you will, uh, to make sure that they understand who they are and, and what they become in the process of this whole journey is ultimately the most well, I think we could, we could most definitely spend a whole episode on the impacts on coaching, whether it be from a, a parent, player, coach perspective and how social media and technology has definitely changed that in the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's changed a lot. Well, my friends, um, I think we're going to bid adieu here tonight. Um, but tomorrow about the same time, we're going to talk about what it means to be an uncommon coach. Um, we're going to talk about building trust, achieving results, and creating a culture that drives behavior to get the results that we're all looking for. Uh, that's going to be a fun conversation. I can't wait to get into that. Uh, but as always, to the listener, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. If you have really enjoyed this, this podcast or any of the other ones, please rate, uh, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. We are thrilled that you're, you've decided to spend time with us. Thanks again. And until next time, let's pursue life, leadership, and greatness in all that we do.